If you brought your Bible, open the book of Psalm. Psalm 137. We say that by the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. And there on the populace, we hung our harps. For there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. And this story is so painful because I can imagine that as you so used to worship, and now they had to hang up their things and walk away and find themselves in a foreign land. Their guitars, the bass guitar, the harps, and everything they were using to worship their God, they had to hang them up and, and, and leave behind a destruction their temple, their place of worship distracted and found themselves in a foreign land. He says from verse 4 that how can we sing songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its kill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. And if I do remember you, if if I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem, my highest joy. Friends, these are things you imagine when you can't even worship, when you can't even go to the place where you normally go, like today, Sunday. You know, during COVID, most of us Imagine being in a place like this, sharing and worshiping and praying. May I pray today that even as I share this story from the children of Israel, my prayer today that your story and my story will change how we think about God. And even the things we take for granted about God, that that can change in our mind. It's important to know that, to know and share your story, because your story is part of God's plan to use for his every follower of Jesus Christ to change this world. But also your story validates your struggles and triumphs as well as boasts your confidence. And for an older person, your story can help you achieve a sense of meaning and purpose as well as reconnect with your journey. And when I was writing this, I was thinking about the older people. I'm not sure about the younger people because I've worked a lot with the older people. And most of the older people, they have shared with me some of the stories as they're growing up and how they used to go to Sunday school 
And somehow that story reconnects them with their journey, reconnects with them their faith, reconnects them where actually they started. I met a lady one day, she was about 90 years old, she's gone now. And she was telling me that the last time she stepped into the church in Australia, there was, no, there was nothing like Anglican Church, I think it was Church of England. And she told me, as far as I know, I don't remember Anglican Church, I remember the Church of England. But she couldn't remember when. But as she shared with me her story, she could reconnect how they used to go to Sunday school and sing hymns and sing songs to God. My prayer is that none of us will be in a place where your story will be just to remember, but not to actually do it. Someone said that our biggest challenge is a false view that a powerful life change story must involve particular sins. Terrible hardships and miraculous moments. But the truth is that going from being dead in our sins to being alive in Christ is still an amazing story. And that's why I'm saying that unless you sing that song again and again, I'll never know how much it costed him. You'll never know what it means for being, to be a Christian today. The struggles our forefathers went through, the missionaries, people like John Livingston in Africa, that they had to even adjust to hard climates with malaria and more this. Live alone the Moses in Australia and Africa, they cause malaria. You know, this one, they bite you and they, and they go. But those one, they bite you and you get sick. But people like, um, I've forgotten the name, uh, Redman and so many other missionaries that went to Africa, craft, they had to endure hard hot sunshine to move the gospel to the people in the villages. They had to learn the language of the tribes they walked to. They had to seek their own security from the local chiefs to be able to carry this message of the gospel of Christ to the villages in Africa. I'll never know how much it costed him to pay for my salvation. From what you just read, Psalm 137 is one of the best known psalms that focuses on the traumatic experience of exile of these people in Babylon. The psalm Reveals the suffering, the suffering, and the sentiments of the people who probably experienced at first hand 
the grievous days of conquest and destruction of Jerusalem in probably in 587 BC and who shared the burden of a Babylon captivity after their return to their homeland. <laughs> it's crazy. So I just go back to number seven. At the site of the ruined city and the temple, the psalmist vents with passionate intensity his deep love for the Zion as he recalls the distress of the alienation from their sanctuary. And therefore this psalm touches on the raw nerve of Israel's faith. If, if you read through this story and you listen to this story and you feel this story and you remember COVID season in isolation, friends, will never take Christianity for granted. We don't even play around with Christianity because it costed somebody his life. It's costed these guys so much because people hated their God. People hated their religion. People hated their lifestyle because of who they believed. The right to begin this psalm by the recollection of the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, which caused the Israelites captives to mourn and stop playing their musical instruments. You know, the Babylonians masters asked the captives to join them in the mockery of their God. Can you imagine the mockery? But the Israelites refused to participate in the mockery of the God. And that's what they're asking it from verse 1. By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. When they looked back, because Zion represents the place of worship, Jerusalem and the temple, the presence of God, when they remembered all that, they wept. They remember the destruction of Zion and the sad memories caused them to mourn. Zion was sometimes referred to Jerusalem and the temple. And Zion was understood by Israel as a symbol of God's presence in the midst. Look at verse 3. It says that for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us for one of the songs of Zion. 
the Babylonian masters who were holding them captive asked them to sing the sacred songs which they used to worship their God in Zion. And for you and I know that was mocker of Israel. Israel's worship at the temple. Because these songs were sung to praise our God. These songs were sung to lift up their kingdom. These songs were sung because of the precious God they cared for. And all these guys, they have destroyed the temple. They have destroyed Jerusalem. They have destroyed everything they believed in. And now they're asking them to sing for them. The same songs. This was also an indirect attack on their character of God because the songs of Zion celebrated the majesty and the protection of God over his people. In effect, the Babylonians were trying to force the exiles to join them in the mockery of God, implying that their God could no longer help them. Zion was central to the identity and survival of God's people. If you removed God of Israel from Israelites, the identity was lost. I want to remind us today that if our identity is not in Christ today, then very soon we are going to be a lost society. That if our identity for our society today is not in Christ, because the Bible says that our identity is in him, but if our identity is lost, we will not be different from these people. He says, when they demanded songs of Zion, by implication the captors were asking the Israelite captives, the mockery question, where is your God whom you claim in your songs that is powerful? You know, what a powerful God. What a beautiful name it is. And now you're singing what a beautiful God it is. And now you are here. We've captured you. We've destroyed his home, the temple. We've tr- destroyed Jerusalem, the place of his presence, now sing to us. Tell us how powerful is your God. How wonderful is your God. You have no rival, but your temple has been destroyed. You have no rival, yet your kingdom, your children have been captured. They're in exile. A friend of mine told me that it took so long to sing this song that your goodness is running after me. You know, some songs are there not to make us happy, but to confirm to us who God is. 
Because sometimes when you're going through challenges and hardships, if you're carrying pain and you're singing, your goodness is running after me, your friends who are not Christians, they're looking at you and wondering, what's wrong with this person? What's wrong with you? Which goodness is running after you? When you're carrying grief, when you're carrying pain, when you're carrying challenges around you, when banks and creditors are chasing you and you're saying goodness is running after you, what's wrong with you? I want to remind us today that the songs we sing are not about us. The songs we sing is about who we believe and that's Christ himself. That even though the challenges you carry, the things you go through, do not change who he is. Even when I don't have money today, even when I face pain today, it doesn't change who Christ is. They wanted to convince the captives that their God had abandoned and forgotten them. And they also implied that their God was weak, powerless, and could no longer deliver his people in their time of trouble, in captivity. And that's why they could make jokes, sing to us. Sing to us the love song, the songs of Zion. What a beautiful name. In captivity. What a powerful name in captivity. Sing to us. Sing them. I like one thing. And that's why I'm saying your story. Can make a difference. My story can make a difference. He said that, however, the captives refused to participate in the mockery of their God. Singing songs, sorry for the type of error there, singing songs of Zion in a foreign land would be an insult to their God. Singing songs of mockery, singing songs of defeat and praising these guys to be songs Would be an insult to their God. It was impossible for the captive to sing songs that intend to praise their God for their amusement of their masters. They say, We're not, we're not sing for you guys. We are not going to amuse you. We are not going to praise you. Even as much as you're giving us pain, even as much as you've, cap- you've taken us captive, we're not going to sing for you. We'll never even praise you. We know who we believe in, even if he has not delivered from here. Even if he doesn't deliver us from here, we'll not sing for you. We'll never do it. I would like to remind us today that when we stay away from God because of our pain, sad journey, or even broken life, the same people that are tormenting us, the same people that are challenging us, we are singing their song. 
we are singing to them, but not to our God. Because our God can see you even through those challenges. And that's what they wanted. Their desire was to prove to us that our God is powerless. Their desire is to show us that your God you serve does not care for you. Their desire is to show us that God you're saying that is his grace is sufficient. It's not sufficient for you. Their desire is to show you that the God you call the grace of mercy is not merciful for you. Their desire is to show us that the God actually you think about does not even exist. Because if he, if he existed, he should have lifted you up from the pain you're carrying. From your circumstances. One day, and, and that's why I'm very careful sometimes when I sing songs. My wife and I went to preach somewhere. And during the during the worship service, one of the songs was what we just sang today. He gives and takes away. And those are some songs are powerful, but sometimes when you sing, it depends on circumstances. It can turn around you. And we had sung, he gives and takes away. And at the end of the service, I think the lady, the lady, yeah, she walked to us and said, um, I think God gave me this and took it away this. And I had to explain to her that you no know, singing is not just singing. And every Sunday I pray for our worship leaders because I know when we choose songs, we choose it for God, not for us. Because it's very easy to choose a song for you and that song can mean something else to somebody else. <laughs> so, this lady, she was asking, okay, she was asking me, and I think you are there that time, that you mean God gave me and took it away. Sorry? She adores her child. And, and sometimes, you know, when, when, you, when you're carrying the pain, you don't understand the role of God in everything that we do. But I want to encourage us as Christians, as believers, that the challenges that people go through, and some of us go through, all of us go through, it's us to be able to walk and journey with the people through those challenges. Because if we say God is coming from heaven to journey with the people, and we stay on the side, I'm sure Christ is looking at us and asking, if I did my part and I've handed over to you, what is your role as a Christian? Who is your neighbor? I like that question. 
in the Bible. Who is your neighbor? When Christ was asking the same question. So my, my, my prayer today as Christians that God has given us a place to journey with the people that are journeying through their story. And I tell people, as a pastor, it's, it's, it can be just a position, but pastoral works for all of us. God has called us to journey with the people. God has called us to be, in terms of ministry, all of us to be pastors, to journey with the people. That we carry the presence of Christ with us. That the people are hurting. The people that are carrying challenges. The people that are burdened for us to journey with them. Because when those times come, when you're asking God questions, somebody there to hand, to hold your hand. This lady was hurting. In the service. But she asked what we are he gives and takes away. You know, we are there, you know. And you know, she came and asked at the end of the service. As I finish, let's look at verse 5 and 6. He says that if I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand for, forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem as my highest joy. I mean, this is a serious commitment. I've never told God that if I can't play for you, then may my, my hand... You know, paralyze my hand or do something in my hand. You know, and some of us, you know, God has given us the skills to play. Some of us, God has given the skills to preach. Some of us, God has given us the skills to dance. Some of us, God has given the skills to touch the piano like my sister Jerry here. Some of us have been given the gifts to reach out the community like uh, Dennis, the sausages. <laughs> you know? My friend Max here, your God has given us skills to ride with people and do stuff with the people. My friend here, Pira, the paramedic, but also missionary to go out there and touch the community. God has given us different skills. But unless you come to a place you tell God, we have to. If I don't do it, take it away. That's a big commitment. That's a sacrifice. These guys, if you look at their story in captivity, the challenges they went through, the pain they went through, but yet they're saying, if I don't sing for you, if I don't play for you, take away my skill, there's a big commitment. It was impossible for the captive to, to forget Jerusalem because Jerusalem was their greatest joy. And for that sake, they pledged completely the complete loyalty and, and devotion towards Jerusalem and therefore towards their God. Next one. 
My question today, what about us? What is our greatest joy? If God or Christ is not your greatest joy, what else? I've said here many times that you can have the best career in this world. But if that's your greatest joy, it can come to an end. You can have the best marriage on this planet. And it's good to have the best marriage, but if that's your greatest joy, it can have challenges. You can have the greatest bank account in the world. Everybody's looking for you to donate. But if that becomes your greatest joy, it comes to an end. Our greatest joy is Christ. And I like what Paul is reminding the Romans that nothing can separate us from his love. Whether we go to Babylon as captives, whether COVID comes, and whether pain comes around us or challenges come, whether circumstances come or we disagree or agree to disagree, whether it's anger and bitterness come among us, that our greatest joy should remain Christ. If Christ remains as our greatest joy, the circumstances will not change our Christian journey. The circumstances will not change our Christian story. Our circumstances will not change our Christian destiny. And today, I want to challenge all of us that we can challenge our story. We can challenge our story and tell ourselves Does my circumstances make my story or is my soul made by Christ whom I received as my personal savior? And if if you and I believe that it's Christ who has changed my story or your story, your story will never change. Your story will never be different. Your story will not hide in you. Your story will be heard by the generations. Your story will be part of the community where we go and do the shopping. Next one. Yeah. that These captives showed their passionate love for Jerusalem. The central place of their worship. Their devotion took the form of a solemn vow invoking upon themselves the penalty of total partial paralysis. You know, like if, if I have to stop singing, let my lip, my lips shut. It says there, if I forget Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I don't remember you. If I do not consider Jerusalem as my highest joy. Total devotion and commitment. My prayer today that your story and my story with the story of Christ, that our total and commitment will never be challenged in circumstances we have. The name of Jesus is a power behind our stories. And today as I finish, I want us to think about the Samaritan woman at the well. Her story 
was painful. But she never stopped telling the story because Christ came and changed her story to the right story in the community. Think about the man who was born blind in John chapter 9. His story changed. Think of Saul before he became Paul. He was killing people. He was a murderer. He was persecuting the church. But his story changed because he received Christ. Our experience of his grace comes in recognizing how much Jesus did for us. And that's why you can be able to sing and say, I'll never know how much it costed you to pay for me on the cross. I'll never understand. Because the two combined mass and grace reveal the heart change that gives us glory to Jesus and the testimony by which Satan was conquered. And that's why it says that and they overcame him by the blood of the lamp and the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. It was the power of their testimony. It was about their story of Christ that they defeated Satan. You can never defeat Satan with many. You can have millions. You can never defeat Satan with the best career. You can never defeat Satan With your 20 bedroom house, Satan can enter anywhere, any place, any circumstance. But when you hold on to a story of deliverance, when you hold to a story of victory, where Paul says, In him, we are more than conquerors in Christ, because it's he who did what? I don't, I can't hear you. <laughs> I want us to go back and read the story of Paul in Romans chapter 8 that nothing can separate us whether it's death death is painful let me tell you I lost two brothers I mean one brother and an uncle within a very short time I've lost almost four people in the last four years four people in the family death I can tell you is painful But Paul is saying, you know, nothing, whether it's death, pain, should separate us from love of God. Because the love of Christ is our joy. As we look at the last thing, I want to call the worship team to come back. Um, The last part. What is your story today? That's the question I want to ask yourself. What is your story? Is it about brokenness, grief, sin? When you think about it, does it draw you to ask God? Or push you away from your God? I want you to think about the last two verses of that scripture, 137. It says... If I forget you, Jerusalem... May my right hand forget its kill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you. If I do not consider Jerusalem as my highest joy. Let's stand on our feet as we finish the service of today. Let's stand on our feet. Lord, we thank you today. 
Lord, I thank you because you care for us. You love us so much that many times when we don't know, even when we are confused, Father, we allow circumstances, we allow challenges to separate us. We allow things among us to to draw us away from you, Father. But I pray and I believe, God, that made my story that comes from you grow stronger and stronger each and every day. May you help me to remain faithful to you in the things I do, Father. And today, Lord, I want to pray for many of us here that are facing challenges. They are carrying grief. They are carrying pain. They are carrying brokenness, Father. I pray may you bring healing. May you restore them back to you, God. May you reassure them with your victory in the name of Jesus Christ, O God. There may be somebody you're feeling hopeless or discouraged or feeling separated from you, Father. I pray that may you surround them with your presence today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.